0: We use the word gospel a lot, and it's maybe too much to the point where we don't really know what it means. Is the gospel simply, Jesus loves you. It's nice, but I don't think it's enough. And to keep this homily a little shorter, I'm going to cut out all the other is it and just jump to the point. The gospel is that Jesus rescued us. Jesus rescued us. And this implies several other things that we need to look at more closely. So let's take a step back. If Jesus rescued us, We must have been in a position where we needed to be rescued. What did Jesus rescue us from? Captivity. We were captured by Satan, the devil. So that first step back from the gospel Jesus rescued us shows us that we had been captured. Well, how did we get there in the first place? One step further back, and we find that we existed in the first place. We were created. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the gospel in four steps. And these four steps answer four basic questions. And I'm stealing these questions word for word from Father John Ricardo's book, Rescued. So if you're interested in learning a bit more, this is a great book to read. First question, why is there something rather than nothing? Anybody here ever asked yourself that question? Why is there something rather than nothing? I think most of us have at some point. Created. Why is everything so obviously messed up? The answer to that is captured. Third question, what, if anything, has God done about it? And that's where we get the word rescued, and that is the heart of the gospel. And then the fourth word, the fourth question, if God has done something, how should I respond? And that's going to be summed up in the word response. So our goal over these next four weeks is to answer each of these questions using those four words. So, today we look at that question why is there something rather than nothing? We were created by God. Everything was created by God. And looking at the stories in Genesis about creation tells us a lot more about the why than the how. Genesis wasn't written to tell us how God created us, it was more so why did God create us? Why? Why is there something? rather than nothing and it's because God chose to create us. God does not need us. God is self-sufficient. He has no need of us but he loves us and so he chose to create us out of his love for us. And Genesis also tells us how simply and effortlessly God creates. What God says is I'm going to repeat that. What God says is extremely simple. God simply speaks, and it exists. And when God creates something in Genesis, not only does he speak it into being, also each and every time he sees that it is good. And so what God creates by speaking is good, which means everything that God creates is good, Which means everything is good because God creates everything. So, three things worth noting from these Genesis accounts. First, God is all powerful. Anything that is good that we can even begin to imagine, God can simply speak a word and it will be. Father Ricardo loves the line, and he made the stars, and God made the stars. It's almost a throwaway line in the Genesis account. And certainly we know a lot more about the nature of the universe and the nature of the stars now than the writer of Genesis did, but it's still true. God simply spoke a word and all of this existed, effortlessly, almost as an afterthought. This has profound implications for any of our worries and fears. God is not worried about the state that the world is in. He's not worried about it. He's not afraid of what the future is going to bring. God is way more powerful than that. The second thing worth noting is that the only thing which is created in God's image and likeness is human beings. We are like God in a way which nothing else is like God. And this means that we are meant to be God's image and likeness to everything else in creation. We are meant to represent God here on earth as stewards of his creation acting on his behalf. And then the third thing worth noting, and probably the most important, is what God says after he creates human beings. In our English translation, we hear God say the words, very good. The Hebrew words that are translated as very good are tov me'od, and if you remember nothing else from my homily today, I'd like you to remember those words, tov me'od. Back in July, I went to a young life camp, and the speaker really dr- drilled down on those words, tov me'od. And she had spoken to a Jewish friend of hers who was telling her that our English translation is simply not capable of, of getting at what those words really mean. We don't have the concepts in English. We don't have the words necessary to express what those words mean in the Hebrew language. We say very good, but that doesn't come anywhere close to how good Tov Me'od really is. And a better understanding, the one she gave, was overwhelmingly good, incredibly good, and even that falls short. More than we can understand, more than we can comprehend, goodness. Tov me'od, and that's what God says about human beings. Each human person, you, me, the person sitting next to you right now, that politician that you hate, the homeless person on the street corner, each and every person is tov me'od, overwhelmingly good. So, I want you to say this with me right now. Say, I am Tov Meod. I am Tov Meod. We are all each and every one of Tov Meod. Human beings have this dignity that comes from that, which is greater than any other created thing. And yes, we don't always do things right, but being in God's image comes with immense value. Each human person has a value which we cannot comprehend, and that includes ourselves. We each have a value that we cannot understand. I recently read this quote, and I can't recall where it was, but I I wrote it down because it was so good to remind myself. And it said, you are a living, breathing icon of God, and in this very moment, God is willing your existence because he delights in you. God is willing your existence because he delights in you. God delights in me and he delights in you. And he says that we are, tov me'od, overwhelmingly good. And so not only is God not worried about the future, he also loves you individually and wants what is good for you. Understanding who God is can lead us to trusting in him. Another big part of being in God's image and likeness, really huge part, is our free will. We're able to choose between good and evil. And it's important to note that we are not free to decide what is good and what is evil. We are not free to make that determination of what's good and evil. That's the mistake which Adam and Eve made in the garden. That's the mistake which human beings have been making ever since. That's the mistake which the vast majority, if not all of us in the world today, are making regularly, is trying to decide for ourselves what is good and what is evil. Only God gets to make that choice. God determines what is good, and we are free to choose between what God says is good and evil, but we're not free to decide what it is. So, all of this comes out of the creation stories in Genesis, and that's what we were talking about today created. But before giving homework, I want to quickly preview the next couple weeks so we can see where we're going. Next week, we're going to be talking about capture why is everything so obviously messed up? And we'll focus largely on who Satan is and what he does. Satan captured us, but Satan is not God's equal, he's not a rival to God. Satan is an angel created by God, and as such, he was created to be good, like everything else in creation. But he also has that free will. He chooses to reject God, and with that choice, Satan chooses to wage war on the human race. And another part of next week's theme stems from our own freedom. We were created free to choose what is good, but we have not fully retained that freedom. Sin creates addiction to sin, and like any other addiction, it inhibits our ability to choose freely. So sin keeps us from being free to choose what is good, and our original freedom from God has been diminished. Looking further ahead to week three, Rescued, we see how Jesus has restored and offers freedom from our addiction to sin. To conclude for this week, I would like to offer just some questions for personal reflection, and I included these questions in my weekly email that I sent out yesterday, so you can go back and look at them if you want. These are just some questions to reflect on today and throughout the coming week. What is my image of God? Do I really trust God? What is my image of myself? And do I believe that I am Tov Meod? And we'll take a bit of time to reflect on those right now. But again, I encourage you to spend some more time reflecting on them over the course of the week. So, again, what is my image of God? Do I really trust God? What is my image of myself? And do I believe I am Tov Mayod?